afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Rob Port on WDAY AM 970. Your call in number is 701 293 9000, 888 You know, we had a quiet few days with the Dakota Access Pipeline, but I guess things are heating up down there again. I just put up a report on sayanythingblog.com if you want to check it out. Uh, uh, spokesman for Morton County, uh, as well as a spokesman for the North Dakota Highway Patrol, uh, confirming to me the protesters slashed law enforcement tires. Uh, apparently, according to a Reuters report I see out on Inforum.com, uh, they may have set a piece of a construction equipment uh, on fire. I'm hearing 30 to 35 arrests. They tried to block Highway 6. Um, so that's going on. Not a lot of reports out so far. Those are the details I have. Go check out uh, sayanythingblog.com for more. Um, but right now we're going to talk a little bit more. Uh, I think America continuing to come to terms with the reality of President Trump, a Trump administration. So part of that in the news has been uh, reports that, that universities across the country have been Offering students grief counseling, I, I guess, or therapy or what have you, support services. Um, I'm hearing uh, Tufts University offered arts and crafts. I don't know what that means. Are we talking about giving the students coloring books? I'm, I'm not sure. Uh, at North Dakota State University was one of them uh, sending out an email to faculty uh, basically saying, uh, you know, you could tell your students uh, about these agencies to get support services. But is this a good thing? Is this creating a, a healthy environment? Uh, my guest on the program is Clay Rutledge. He is a professor of psychology at North Dakota State University. If you want to join the program, 701-293-9000, Clay, um, first of all, thanks for your time. And, uh, yeah, second, thanks for having me. Yeah, second... What, what do you, what do you make of this response from the universities? Is this a healthy thing? And I've I've read some of your work, and you've been a little critical of some of the stuff with about safe spaces and trigger warnings. Uh, this latest thing we had an election. It was a it was no doubt about it. It was a rancorous one. It was a bruising one. It was ugly in a lot of ways. A very controversial candidate won. Um, what do you make of this response from the campuses? Yeah. So you know I have. Well, like you said, I've been very critical about this. I would like to say real quick at first, I, you know, am not in the, you know, in the inner workings of the administration at NDSU, so I can't speak to why they sent this email to faculty or what might have caused it. Likewise, as you know, as you just acknowledged there, you know, I'm certainly sympathetic to the notion that Trump, when campaigning, said... So, you know, some pretty inflammatory things. And, you know, I think it's not surprising that, you know, he stuck tires and people are are upset and that, you know, there should be, you know, some empathy for that or some generosity of spirit, as I like to say. But, yes, at the, at the same time, you're right. I am generally critical of this, what seems to be a movement by universities around the country and potentially in other countries, too, from what I understand, such as the UK, um, to almost have this, like this mentality that we're, that students are sick or we're hospital or they're vulnerable or they're, or they're fragile. And as a, you know, as a social psychologist, um, I'm concerned about what that is, you know, what that is, you know, suggesting to students who might otherwise feel, you know, just walking around campus, minding their own business. And, you know, maybe they're mad about it. They're doing, you know, what other people are doing. They're talking to their family and friends about it. 
But, you know, if you have faculty and administrators suggesting to them that they might need counseling services, um, is that actually causing the need for them instead of being a reaction to a legitimate need for them, if that makes sense? 701-293-9000, if you want to join the program, email talk at wday.com. You know, some of the criticism that I got, because I, I posted about this yesterday at NDSU, and some of the criticism that I got uh, on social media and people emailing me, and there was a letter to the editor of the Fargo Forum today, um, was that I, I, you know, I, that I was encouraging people not to seek help if they if they truly needed help. And I'm, I'm not saying that, or I was creating some sort of a, a stigma uh, in terms of for people accessing mental health services. And I'm that's certainly not my thing. I, I don't I don't see any problem at all if, if people need feel like they need to talk to somebody by all means please seek out the help um i'm not saying that at all i I think what i hear you saying though is that there comes a point though where we create this this atmosphere where i i I heard a term somewhere one time it was called like learned helplessness and and so and so i i think that maybe applies here We're, we're, we're we're sort of almost teaching students you can't deal with it and so you need to seek help right is is that what you're saying yeah, that's that's exactly what I'm saying. I mean, where you know, where where if you know, and people people have talked about this in in other domains of life too, where you you know, the the universities could just wait and respond like you're saying to students. I mean, it's not the case that students don't know, in my opinion, I should say, it's not the case that students don't know about counseling services when they go through their you know their enrollment and when they go through their orientation and you know there there are plenty of opportunities for them to learn that there are counseling services available to them that there are different resources available to them um what what this seems to be suggesting to me is a preemptive strike right that we're going to tell students that there are you know here's a list of things that you should be thinking about because of the election when you know I don't know that there's any evidence or I haven't seen any evidence that there's that people are you know are falling apart um, my guess is most students are worried about other things like passing their midterms Seven zero one two nine three nine thousand eight 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 nine seven zero nine three two nine. We got a caller, Scott. I'm going to get to him in just a moment. But you know, another thing that I thought you just made a point about the an administration almost saying, um, you know, here's a list of things you, you should be worried about. You know, one thing I noticed about NDSU, and I I, I know certainly you don't know you, you know anything about what motivated this email on the NDSU campus. Uh, which, by the way, if you want to read the whole thing, you can go to sayanythingblog.com and check that out. Um, but there was a, there was actually a survey done by the NDSU student newspaper, the Spectrum, uh, in conjunction, you know, the, the Spectrum article said, with the statistics department at NDSU. And they actually found that Donald Trump was the most favorite, in, in their sample anyway, and they sampled, I think, 500 students, found that Donald Trump was the most was the most popular candidate. Uh, when they broke the, the results down by college at the university, they found in all but all but one, uh, he was the most favored candidate uh, and had majority support, I, I think, in all but three. So, uh, you know, I, I think it's hard to, to say when you say, you know, it, it, they're almost like giving the students a list of, you know, here's things you should be thinking. It's almost like like it's it's they're projecting, they're expecting students to feel a certain way and students may not actually feel that way. 
Yeah, no, I think you 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 I think you use the right term projecting, um, which you know if I I'll, I'll, if I could make a couple quick points. Um, one is, and you know you 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 said this earlier, and I think it's worth reinforcing because I've been you know I've been critical of this stuff, and like you, and I know you've experienced this too, where you're called a racist or a sexist. You know, I've certainly received those emails by you know by being critical of certain senses, which I you know I find somewhat ironic. Um, because I'm actually not, you know, I'm actually very sensitive to these issues. Um, but clearly, it's worth pointing out that if there are people, we saw an instance way before the election of, you know, racism at UND, if there are legitimate instances of people being threatened or intimidated, or um, then they can seek out these services, and they should, and no one should discourage that. But there's a difference between that and feeling the need to make broad, you know, announcements in class or telling students. And, you know, so that gets to my second point, which you use the word um, um, projection. And people, if anyone's read any of my work, they know the other thing I've been kind of critical, and I think these two issues are intimately linked, is the lack of viewpoint or ideological diversity on college campuses. And, you know, part of me just feels like, are these like the faculty or the admissions? Are they the ones that are upset and they're projecting this on on the yeah. students, I don't know what the political affiliations is. I don't have any data for NDSU in particularly in particular, but I know nationally, as I've written about and others have written about, and I believe you've written about or talked about, um, universities are are largely um, liberal. And so, if you don't have this kind of viewpoint diversity, I think it's easy to you know to create this this group think and to create the situation where you know it, where yeah. no one's putting you in check and saying you don't know no, it's actually not the end of the world. Um, these you things know, happen. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Yeah, well, I, I, I tell you what, I got to take a break, and then I want to get to a couple of the callers that are lining up. If you want to join, 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. Scott, Bill, we'll get to you right away after the break. Stay tuned. Don't go away. Welcome back. Rob Report here on WDAY talking with NDSU psychology professor Clay Rutledge. Uh, NDSU, among other campus nationally, uh, to one degree or another, offering counseling therapy to students upset about the outcome of the election. Is that a positive thing? Is that a healthy thing? Uh, Mr. Rutledge has his doubts, as do I. I want to hear from you. 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. Let's get to the caller. Scott, you're up. Hey, thanks, uh, Rob. Hey, I'd like to share uh, two really quick stories with you. My daughter goes to school across the river at Morehead State. And uh, the day after the election, uh, one, of the, one of our teachers went into a big lecture about about how terrible this is. And her classroom is a safe zone. And, and uh she can't believe that this happened, and she talked to the class like every single one of them voted uh, the other way. And my daughter, of course, not. But my daughter just kind of, she's quiet as a mouse, and she just sat there taking it uh, while she was hearing that anyone who voted for Trump is a racist and a xenophobe and all that stuff. And, and then the other part of that is that they were supposed to break out into groups. And so they did. And one of the gals asked my daughter, who do you vote for? And she goes, eh, it's not really anyone's business. And they really bullied her into saying, well, she goes, I wasn't so much voted 
for Trump. I was voting against Clinton. That's what was their answer. And, and the lady got up and moved to the other side of the glass because she couldn't stand sitting next door. Thank, thanks, um, thanks, thanks for this that. Is bullying. Yeah. Well, that's that, that's the question I want to ask Clay. Thanks for the call, Scott. Is there a point at which, in, in, in to your point, I mean, obviously, again, I want to stipulate if people are, are having troubles or, or feel like they need to talk to somebody, there are services available, certainly on campus, certainly off campus for those of us who aren't college students. Uh, there are things available. Talk to people. Uh, that's that's a that's a good thing. Seek out the services. But when the universities go so overboard in in sort of, oh, we got to make sure because there was this election outcome, we got to make sure we got to support the students and we got to make sure we have therapy and everything available. What about the students who are happy with the outcome? You know, and, and you know, I don't want to get into a debate about Donald Trump here, but certainly there were millions of of Americans, including college students, who supported Mr. Trump, who were happy with the election outcome. How are they feeling on campus these days? Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, and your 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 caller got to the issue that me and a lot of people have have criticized about this, you know, safe space movement is, you know, it's it's not for everyone, right? It's safe space. It's you know, there's not a lot of, um, you know, I don't know if you saw this story recently about uh, survey they did at Yale, and you know, the the vast majority of people. You know, had indicated that Yale was not a safe space for conservatives, um, and we're pretty open about it. Um, you know, historically, uh, you know, universities haven't been particularly kind towards evangelicals. Um, so it is, uh, you know, it, that is a real. I think that is a real issue. As it's, um, and this gets to that issue of you know the the lack of viewpoint diversity. I think is. Uh, yeah. You know, faculty standing in front of their class, saying, you know, assuming what your caller is saying is correct, you know, saying saying that kind of stuff. I mean, that's exactly the types of problems that people criticize the cultural liberal elite for having and not understanding the world. And those problems, I think, ironically, contributed to, the, you know, Trump winning this election. Yeah. Let's uh, keep moving here. Got another caller. Bill, go ahead. Hi. First, I'd like to wish all veterans happy Veterans Day. Thank you. Um, so I gotta, one thing I've noticed here locally, it seems to be most of the attempted organized protests with which don't hit even 50 people are coming out of Concordia College. And I'm wondering why it would just be out of that university. And the other problem I have with that is they were actually marched to the city of Fargo Police Department trying to get them to pull out of assisting another agency and i just I, how many of these people do you think are bandwagon because celebrities are doing it and why don't we see this at ndsu or the other local agency or local colleges thank you, you. know I, I i guess i can't speak to that maybe maybe concordia is just more politically active i, I don't know and, and and i want to stipulate here i don't have a problem at all with with people peacefully protesting people advocating whatever point of view they feel is is the correct one or or it just even even just expressing the fact that they were out, upset with with the outcome of the election i mean i i i don't i don't want to say that i want a safe space for conservatives i just I, I I think I think we just need to be careful that we're not creating an environment where where one side gets a safe space and the other side is sort of depicted as this marginal or 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 bad or or whatever point of view. I I think that's the problem, isn't it, Clay? It's it's not that there's political activism; it's that it seems to be everything is is one side or as you said, a lack of viewpoint diversity. Yeah, I agree. I mean, this is an issue that people have brought up with the threat to free speech on college 
campuses. And I'm with you. I don't think conservatives need a safe space. I've argued that conservatives get a better education in many ways um, in liberal universities because their ideas are constantly challenged. And, you know, and so their, you know, their beliefs are honed yeah. and they ha- or, you know, they, they take on different viewpoints and, and they grow. You know, that's part of psychological growth. Um, so I agree. We don't need, you know, this is but universities. I, you know, I've said this before. Universities are not supposed to be hospitals. They're supposed to be training facilities where you, know, you have intellectual stimulation and growth and debate. And um, and a lot of people have, have criticized this movement of the, the promotion of what people call a victimhood culture on, on college campuses. Let's keep going. Uh, we got another call from Nate. Go ahead, Nate. What's up? Oh, boy. <laughs> Um, I'm okay. I'm a lib, and that's all good. Yeah. I just hope the country can move forward, and uh, I think the protests really detract from the opinion of the of the left. Yeah. You know, I, I think it, it it makes them look childish. I mean, listen, if, if, if people want to stand up and say that Trump was an awful candidate and he said some awful things and, and he even stands for for what could potentially be, uh, depending on, on what agenda he sets as he takes office, uh, what could be re- truly some awful policies, I- I'm probably going to agree with you in a lot of ways. I was not a Trump. I'm he a conservative hasn't done guy. anything yet, so yeah. it's, it's kind of hard to protest something right. that he hasn't done. I, but, yeah, but the thing is, I, I, I understand if people want to protest and say, listen, I am really upset by the outcome of this election. Hey, fine. First Amendment, baby. But to go out and, and to start torching cars and to block no, a freeway. That, that's ridiculous. Yeah. It, I, and it, it's, it diminishes your point. It makes yeah, you it, it. Yeah. It makes it worse. <laughs> I, 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 I think you're right, Nate. And uh, Nate, I mean, you you start you said you're a lib. I think in many ways I'm, I'm a conservative. I'm a deeply conservative guy. I think you and I might find a lot of common ground on Donald Trump. And that's why people like us got to keep talking to each other. Well, I, I hope so. Cause, yeah. Because it's, it's the country, baby. You know, yeah. we, we need to. It, as long as he doesn't, um, you know, hurt other people. Yeah. <laughs> That's well, that's all that matters. Well, that, that's well, that's what we want, right? We we want to be free for us all to live our lives in in the yeah, way that we, we want sit. jobs, we want security to to, to to the maximum degree possible to have liberty for each of us individually, um, without you know infringing upon the liberty of others. That's that's the struggle. Nate, thanks for the call. Clay, thanks for your time. Appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, it's my pleasure. If, if people want to track down more of your writing, more of your work, you're a pretty prolific writer. Where where, they, where can they track you down at? Well, I blog for Psychology Today, and I have a blog called More Than Mortal, and, um, you know, they can look that up. Um, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Clay Rutledge, um, and, you know, you can just, it's pretty easy to find me at NDSU on the, right. you know, and I'm a professor in the Department of Psychology, so, okay. yeah, thanks to the internet, it's, it's, it's easy these days. track me down if they're interested. That's, yeah, well, that's, well, that's great. Well, um, yeah, certainly track Clay down. I've been reading his stuff for a while, and uh, it's good. It's worth it. Clay, thanks for your time. More straight ahead. Ag Commissioner Doug Goring. We're going to talk about the medical marijuana bill. It's going to be a little bit of a headache, I think, to implement in North Dakota. We'll talk with him about that. Don't go away.
Welcome back. This is Rob Port on WDAY, 701-293-9000, is your toll-free number. You can email me as well, talk at WDAY.com, or hey, send me a tweet, at Rob Port. We, uh, election day, North Dakotans voted for a number of things. Uh, one of the, one of the things they voted for, overwhelmingly, was medical marijuana. I think that surprised a lot of people. Uh, that North Dakota voted that way. Uh, but the measure may cause some headaches for the state as they try to implement it. Now, my understanding is the measure gives uh, the state about a 30-day window uh, to implement, but some state officials, uh, including my guest, North Dakota Agricultural Agriculture Commissioner Doug Goring, uh, saying that, that it could pose some challenges. I'm reading here from a, a forum news, news service article by Jonathan Knutson, uh, where Mr. Goring says, I quote, this is a whole new area that makes my chest tighten. Uh, <laughs> Commissioner Goring, what is what is making your chest feel tight? Well, uh, I, uh, as a regulator, uh, about 90% of what I do with 110 programs in our department, 90% of it is regulatory in nature. And uh, one of our responsibilities is to make sure that the laws that uh, are enacted have proper rules and regulations with a common-sense approach applied to them, and I take that very seriously. So when this came down, I'm like, holy cow. I don't know if everybody's really thought of all the implications here, and given the fact that uh, you're talking about the medical use of marijuana, so there's probably going to have to be rules and regulations developed uh, by the health department, and permitting those that are going to distribute. But then there's the other side of this, which is the agronomic aspect of it, the cultivation and growth, the application of crop protection products. I have had the opportunity, I suppose you put it that way, of visiting with my colleagues in Colorado, for example, who knew that we had a lot going on with industrial hemp in North Dakota. And when the law passed there on... Um, medical and recreational use of marijuana, they said, holy cow, it opened up the floodgates and we had so many more new challenges to deal with because we had people that wanted to apply things to it that, quite frankly, they can't. Uh, we we have a, a saying, the label is the law, and when you look at all the different crop protection products out there in the United States, there are no products that can be applied to industrial hemp or its cousin, marijuana. So dealing with that alone is going to be a huge challenge. Um, we're having to also think about the amount of money it's going to cost to implement this and then um, to try and have the proper oversight because that's one of the other things I'm going to be charged with is making sure that this is being done properly. And then there's the other side of this that I think, I don't know how the state's going to deal with this. I know Colorado has has struggled, but uh, you're talking about a controlled substance that the United States government does not recognize that banking institutions and transactions cannot take place within that legal system. And uh, then you have, uh, is the state looking at, tax revenue from this, sales tax revenue, plus how do you measure, quantify, and deal with income tax, uh, any revenue generated there. 
And how is the IRS going to do this if they consider this substance illegal in the United States? This is a challenge. Plus, how are you getting the seed? Uh, we don't have a uh, a system where we have seed put away in vaults that now can be used. This is an issue, and it's also an issue on the other side of this, if there's any cultivation and growth that's taking place out there next to any industrial hemp fields, which, by the way, uh, can legally be done with our oversight, uh, it can have no more than 0.3% THC in it. Well, if you have some cross-pollination going on and all of a sudden uh, you have levels that exceed that, we could have some major issues on our hands with respect to industrial hemp growers that no longer can uh, uh, sell or um, use their product, which has been legally grown. And in in this case, this would be legally grown in the state of North Dakota, but it presents a lot of problems. And uh, trying to think through that and trying to think about how we would develop rules, regulations, and then to try and have that proper oversight is going to be a challenge. 701-293-9000. I'm talking with Agriculture Commissioner Doug Goring about some of the challenges of the medical marijuana bill that passed earlier this week. 888-970-9329. Give us, and I, and I was reading because I, I, I think the health department had, had some concerns that were similar to yours. Obviously, they work in a, in a different area of policy, but what, what, I mean, what's the timeline here? My understanding was that the measure gives the state 30 days to begin implementing this. Is that correct? <laughs> Well, I believe so, and I I don't know the specifics about it, but we need some direction, which means there's going to have to be something developed. And I'm not sure if we have the authority, the ability just to move forward and start developing rules. Generally, every, every rule has some basis for what you're going to start from. There's some guidelines, and, and generally that comes from laws enacted by the legislature, and it kind of gives you the outline of what they're looking at, what the intent is, and then you develop rules and regulations designed around that. Um, this is going to be a challenge, Rob. I really don't know what we're going to be expected to do, but I can tell you that in the coming weeks, we're going to be um, researching this hard to try and find out what is the next step in this, or do we have to wait till the leg- legislature meets and then they enact some guidelines in which we will develop rules and regulations around. Do you do you feel seven zero one two nine three nine thousand eight 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 nine seven zero nine three two nine? Do you feel? that the state was was not ready for this i mean obviously i mean this this was on the ballot for a while i mean it was circulated for a long time uh, it was on the ballot we had the campaign for a long time uh the state developed a fiscal note for it um obviously people knew that this was a potential did did, did the state just not feel this was going to pass in 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 that because it, it, it kind of sounds like like the state was almost taken by surprise that this this the voters voted for this well, I can't speak on behalf of other officials or um, others within the body of the legislature. I'll say for myself, I guess I was. Um, generally, you have time to think about and deal with these things, and I didn't realize there was a 30-day implementation period after it passed. Um, that's almost 
unreasonable and, quite frankly, impossible to try and do something with. It doesn't mean that the health department and ourselves couldn't do something, but really it might be a bit arbitrary because we're just interpreting the plain language of of what the measure was, and I'm not sure if we do it justice. Does it leave us open for legal challenges? Um, I'm not sure I want to... I want to be in that position. I need to do a good job providing that oversight, but I need a little bit more direction given the fact that there are so many issues here involved. Um, yeah, I, and, 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 where, 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 and where, where would you get that direction? I mean, are you talking like the legislature? Well, generally speaking, that's exactly where I would get that direction from because they're going to hold uh, hearings, there would be testimony, they would uh, hear that from all sides and be able to develop something that is going to meet the intent uh, of what passed with the measure, but it's also going to put some parameters around how are we going to proceed forward. With respect to the fact that we also have its cousin industrial hemp that's grown in this state, and that leaves... Um, a lot of other challenges, which is if people are going to be out growing, cultivating, and uh, looking at the uh, the sale of this uh, product, the distribution of it, I'm sure the health department's involved there, but we also are going to have to be aware of where those fields are at, monitoring them. Is there, are they going to want other oversight applied here, such as... Uh, is, the, is there yeah. some type of other monitoring efforts? You can't have people just having unlimited access uh, to a field and, and um, these types of situations. So, well, it's, it's, it sounds like a complicated path forward, um, and I, I guess we're going to look and, and see how it works. Uh, Commissioner Goring, thanks for your time, and, and thanks for helping to, to clarify some of this as best you can right now. <laughs> it's as clear as mud now, isn't it? Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> well, 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 I guess we'll, we'll work on, uh, on trying to clarify that going down the road. Commissioner, thanks for your time. Appreciate it. 701-293-9000, 888-970-932-LINE. Last segment, Rob Report, coming up. Don't go away.